You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. All right, so this is class number three of our look at the Lenten colics. We've looked at pretty much all of them except the colic for the fifth Sunday of Lent and obviously Palm Sunday here today. We didn't have class last week because Dr. Radner was here. He gave a great talk. So we are going to talk a little bit about last Sunday's collect, but also today's. So, and if you have your bulletin with you, um, if you don't have it, that's fine. And if you're listening online, you can just go to lectionarypage.org and find these collects. But you'll notice that I'm using the contemporary versions of these collects in these classes, whereas in church, we're using the right one version of the colics. And as you'll see, when we take a look at Palm Sunday, I actually appreciate the right one version of the Palm Sunday collect more. We'll get to that in a second. But again, I'd encourage you, take your bulletin home, or if you've got a Book of Common Prayer, just this week, especially for Holy Week, there is a collect for every day in Holy Week. Usually we just have a collect for the Sunday, and that's the prayer for the week. But for the most important week of the Christian year, there's one every single day. So if you have a Book of Common Prayer at home, or if you just go online, you can find a, a colic for every single day. Unfortunately, we don't have time to take a really good look at all of those, but I mean, they're some of the richest we've got. And unfortunately, we oftentimes don't pray them because we don't have services on Holy Monday, Holy Tuesday, Holy Wednesday. Uh, fortunately, we will have Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, etc. So. Take a look at your sheet, and uh, again, just to, this can be helpful, it might not be. Again, maybe you're having struggle, struggles with prayer. As I said earlier, I oftentimes have struggles with prayer, particularly extemporaneous prayer. When I have those struggles, I go to the colics. You've all heard of the Acts way of praying, right? Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Here is an ancient way of structuring your prayer. Now, if you're feeling feisty and want to say your own prayers following this format, awesome. But really, I'm not trying to give you too much. All I'm trying to do is say, pray one of these prayers every day for the next week. We won't have this class next following Sunday, but you'll see there's one every single, there's a colic for Easter day. In fact, there are three. So if you don't like one, there are two others. So let's jump into the structure, for some of us who are more detail-oriented, this could help us frame the little devotionals I'm going to give. So why don't we say the collect for the fifth Sunday in Lent. Let's say it together. Almighty God, you alone can bring into order the unruly wills and affections of sinners. Grant your people grace to love what you command and desire what you promise, that among the swift and varied changes of the world, our hearts may surely there be fixed where true joys are to be found through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Once again, one of the most beautiful colics, but we talked about that before. Let's take a look at what's going on in this collect. Again, that kind of five-part structure there's the address. We, the address is to Almighty God. Last, last time we had an everlasting God, or there was maybe even a little bit of a you know, descriptor of God's character. But in this one, we're talking to Almighty God, the one who is all-powerful. 
What is the acknowledgement? Before we get into our ask, we acknowledge something about God's character. You alone can bring into order the unruly wills and affections of sinners. Wow. I'm going to get into that in a second, but whew. the petition, grant your people grace to love what you command and desire what you promise. <clears throat> so we're praying that we might be given the ability to love what God commands, to desire what he promise, promises. And what's the aspiration or the, or the so that? <clears throat> that among the swift and varied changes of the world, our hearts may surely there be fixed where true joys are to be found. I didn't have time to put this into my devotional that you're about to receive, but that swift and varied changes of the world, that amongst them our hearts may be fixed. Um, just think about all the stuff that happens in life. I've said this before. I'll probably say it again. Everyone says that life's short. Obviously it is. But life is also long. Um, I talked about this at the Lenten Lunches sermon. I mean, think about when you were converted, or, or maybe you've been a Christian your whole life, and you've had you know, those spiritual highs, and you thought that would carry you through forever. And then the dry patch came, and you're kind of barely hanging on. This is a prayer that among the swift and varied changes, our hearts may surely there be fixed, where true joys are to be found. I'm not going to say that in a second, so that's free. Then the pleading... Through our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. If you need a quick reminder of, you know, this structure, take a look at the top. That kind of explains all those things. But we're going to get right into my little reflection for this collect, which Paul's all, Peter Toon, pretty much all of the, the assemblers of the 1979 prayer book say that this is the collect of collects. So here's the reflection. I had a colleague who, my previous colleague, who would always say this great line, and it goes like this. We're all three days away from being tabloid news, and most of us are in day two. We're all three days away from being tabloid news, and most of us are on day two. He employed this quip, this witty remark, to blunten the offense of his low anthropology. If you don't know what a low anthropology means, it means, for lack of a better word, uh, humans are not always so awesome. We're not as free as we think we are. In fact, we're prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Many Christians who otherwise acknowledge the fall and original sin recoil when they're told, these are the words of the colic from last time, that we have no power in ourselves to help ourselves. Do you remember? I kind of started off with a recoiling against that. I don't like that. And yet, that is the provocation of this collect. Again, what does it say? God alone can bring into order the unruly wills and affections of sinners. Unruly wills and affections. Now, if you are offended by this kind of language, I understand that. There are people out there who have unhealthy views of total depravity, views that err on the side of, I am wholly evil. That's not helpful. Uh, and psychologists have had field days with you know, speaking to people who feel that way about themselves. 
The point of this colic, the point of, I guess you might say, the doctrine of total depravity is not to make you feel like I am the worst. It's acknowledging that every part of us, our reason, our senses, every part of us is tainted by the fall or tainted by sin. So you are not wholly evil. That's not what these colics are saying. In fact, very much not that. But there is an acknowledgement of what I said earlier, that low anthropology. And it makes all the sense in the world, right? Like, why would we be praying these prayers if we had this in us? We're praying for something that we don't have the capacity for. We're praying for God to make a way where we have been unable to make that way. But one way maybe to soften the rough edges of this colic for you, if you're still unconvinced, is that this prayer was originally a prayer for church unity. It goes way back to the 8th century, and the opening line is not what we have here. The opening line was, Almighty God, which dost make the minds of all faithful men to be of one will. If you take a look at the colics of Thomas Cranmer, that's the way it is in the 1552 Book of Common Prayer. It wasn't the Reformers, and it wasn't the Puritans, you know, the people obsessed with the doctrine of total depravity, at least allegedly so. They're not the ones who changed the first line of this collect. It was the 1662 Book of Common Prayer assemblers. And why do they change it? They change it because they have just experienced a century of religious conflict. They've just experienced the awful English Civil War. So after all of this turmoil and conflict, the editors of this collect decided praying for unity is not enough. Our wills are unruly. We've been unable to get along. We need to get at the root of the problem. And the core of the problem is our unruly wills and affections. Wouldn't it be amazing if our oughts and our wants overlapped? Well, that's what we're praying for. That's our petition in this collect. We're praying for the grace to love what God commands. So often, I'm not really that in to what God Commands. At least, well, maybe I am in theory, but when push comes to shove, I'm a big fan of cutting quarters, corners. It's not a good thing, uh, but I'm going to say that probably you like to cut some of your own corners. They might be different corners than mine, but we like to cut corners. But notice we're in this prayer, we're not praying for behavior modification. We're asking to be made new. We want a complete makeover here. We're not imagined as good people getting better. Again, that low anthropology. We're imagined as sinners in need of a heart transplant. Think of the creators of this line. We have just had all of this strife, over 100 years worth of it. And not just the religious wars, but the English Civil War, which was kind of a religious war in its own right. We've been praying for church unity. From the very beginning, right, Jesus said that they may be one, as we are one. And yet, 
At that point, 1600 years, we weren't united. Here we are, 2020 years later, there are more denominations than ever. It's not that it's not good to pray for church unity. What they're saying here is it's, this is a desperate prayer. This is, we have been unable to do this. Our wills are unruly. Our affections are out of sorts. You, we need you. You make this way. You give us a new heart. So how do our affections change? Well, the short answer is that this is God's work. He is the one who reorders our loves. And again, that's why we pray. It's not that difficult a concept, but it took me forever to wrap my mind around this. It's, I'm praying for it because I've not been able to manufacture this. Because I've, I'm unable to bring it about. So I'm yielding myself, imploring the one who can. That's what we're doing when we say this prayer. And it's not all that much different from that great prayer of St. Augustine, a prayer that I'm going to mention over and over again, so hopefully you don't get bored of it. But in his confessions, at a point where he's just thrown in the towel, he writes, command what you will, but give what you command. Get that? You can command whatever you want, but you've got to give it because I've been unable to manufacture it. So that said, I mean, again, I don't like the whole, I've got no power in myself to help myself. I don't really love, you know, the fact that I've got an unruly will. So, and I'm a good all American boy who likes to tell me what to do. What can we do? We can go to church. You can go to the Cathedral Church of the Advent, a place where you're not going to be lectured, criticized, told to try harder, but you'll be fed by the word, by the gospel, by the sacraments. These things from outside of us that give us what we do not have. We go to a place where there's good community. If you're not in a small group, get in a small group. This is where during the week you're going to have a community, God willing, that is gracious that understands our unruly wills, our propensity to mess things up and be there for us. If we find this parish, we, we, and, and, and you got to go every single week. In New York City, we're, they're, they're huge fans of once a month, twice a month. Maybe some of you are in that camp. I'm sorry. I don't mean to call you out. <laughs> But you know, I don't feel like going to church sometimes. I've got to be here. <laughs> but what I'm saying is feelings, they wax and they wane. Sometimes you're going to feel it. Sometimes you're going to be in line for communion and something's going to overtake you. I don't know about you, but uh, I'm going to talk to Kathy after this. But when she was reading the gospel, and I forget the line. If someone's got a bulletin, maybe you could point it out. But it, it said something like, Jesus breathed his last. I was kind of hoping she would just, not speak for 10 seconds, and we could sit in that. I, I was moved by that. That said, sometimes Sundays go by, and I'm not really all that moved by everything, but I'm trusting that it's happening to me. I'm trusting that whether I feel it or not, the gospel is getting in my head the way a song gets stuck 
in your head. And when that song gets stuck in your head, when you hear that gospel over and over again, we might just find ourselves more prone to loving what God commands and desiring what he promised. We might just find ourselves falling in love, right? Because that's the language of this collect. It's the affections. It's more than uh, pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps or conjuring this up. This is about our loves. So again, the emphasis is not on what do we do, though I gave you something to do. (laughs) But we here are praying, to go back to the beginning, that God would keep us out of the tabloids, he'd keep us out of the newspapers, that we wouldn't be in the headlines, that we wouldn't reach day three, and that he might effect a heart transplant in us that brings our oughts and our wants together. So take a look at this collect on your own, and maybe based on something I said, or maybe something that sticks out to you, and it doesn't have to, it could be a question, it could be a comment, whatever. Let's take a couple minutes, pretty sure I've got time, uh, let's, let's take a second to look at it in our own. Again, life is long. I mean, I think about how, my, how much of my thinking has changed in the last 10 years. Now, maybe I'm, I'm at that age, right? I'm 36 years old. A lot of your thinking might change during this time. But, but thanks be to God that despite all of the swift and varied changes of the world, God's kept me fixed on him. Uh, and in a lot of ways, I view that as his work. Or I do view that, view that as his work. Uh, I was not trying to be rude. If uh, somebody, somebody look up Book of Common Prayer on their phones and, um, and just put the colloque for the fifth Sunday of Lent, um, I guess write one edition, because I may remember it. So here it says swift and varied changes of the world. In the older language, the, the colloque we used last week, it's, it's manifold, sun, manifold and sundry changes of the world. Now, maybe we, they've updated that language because that's not really the language we use anymore, but I, I love seeing all that together, the swift and varied, the sundry, manifold and sundry changes of the world. It's, it, I mean, it's, it, there's just such an imagery to this. Uh, it's more than just explaining. Anybody else have anything? You don't have to look it up. That, is, that was it. Go ahead that the miracle would happen that our oughts and our wants would overlap or be brought together. Yeah, I've, uh, I'm not super successful at that all the time. That's why I'm praying. Um, you're probably better at it than I am, but, um, but yeah, no, praying that, yeah, I, I love that, the unruly wills. This isn't just, again, good people getting better. This is that desperate, we've been at, war with each other for over a year. Why are we doing this? Uh, over a hundred years. All right, let's, let's, I mean, did anybody else have anything? I don't want to cut anybody off, but why don't we jump to the, the next collect and see how far we can get. I think 10 minutes should pr- probably be enough, but let's say it together. You've got that sheet in front of you. Almighty and ever-living God, in your tender love for the human race, you sent your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, to take upon him our nature and to suffer death upon the cross, giving us the example of his great humility. Mercifully grant that we may walk in the way of his suffering and also share in his resurrection through Jesus Christ our Lord, 
who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. <clears throat> Amen. All right, well, let's just go over the structure again. Again, this is kind of like diagramming a sentence um, or a paragraph, but the address is to Almighty and ever-living God. Will that be significant? We'll see in a minute. So all-powerful. I don't even know what ever-living, but it's, it's kind of nice. Uh, what is the acknowledgement? In your tender love for the human race, you sent your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, to take upon him our nature and to suffer death upon the cross, giving us the example of his great humility. So that's a, that's a mouthful of an acknowledgement, but, and we'll, we'll get to that in a second. The petition, what are we asking for? Mercifully grant that we may walk in the way of his suffering and also share in his resurrection. Notice for the aspiration, the fourth, sometimes these prayers don't have the fourth part of the structure, but I think my guess is that the second part of that and also share in his resurrection is part of the ask. But some might say, well, that's the aspiration, so that we might share in his resurrection. So if you remember diagramming those sentences back in the day and you're like, well, this one sounds like it can go either way. Maybe it could go either way. And then the pleading through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns, dot, dot, dot. All right. So keep that in mind. And let's let's do this little devotional. Why did Jesus come to die? There's a lot of really good answers. I point to Fleming Rutledge has a whole book on the crucifixion, deals with substitution, recapitulation, yada, yada. It's an awesome book. Please read it. We don't have time to look at each and every right answer. So there are a lot of right answers to this question, and oftentimes they overlap, etc. cetera. Um, but at the root of all of those answers is the simple explanation provided for in this collect. Love. Have you seen The Shack or read The Shack? It's not awesome, but uh, I was prepared to hate it for its like Nashville Christian Hallmark vibe. But I found against my, I found myself moved by the movie. In it, Octavia Spencer, who you know, has won Academy Awards, she, you know, kind of a demigoddess. Uh, she plays the role of God the Father. And this got a lot of people up in arms, right? We don't want you messing with the Trinity. Rightly so, right? We don't want people messing with the Trinity. That said, again, it's a, it's a story, it's a movie. I get that people might possibly come away confused, but what they're trying to do in this movie is kind of highlight what we, what we know, but we often forget. That the first member of the Trinity is not male. Of course, we call and we even refer to him, we call it God the Father, but he kind of encapsulates all of it. In fact, St. Paul is at pains to talk about this, right? When, when St. Paul talks about himself, he talks about himself as like, essentially like birthing the, the communities into existence. But Spencer, Octavia highlights the maternal nurturing character of God's, as the Collect says, tender love for the human race. According to this prayer, it is this love, this tender love, that motivated the incarnation and the atonement. So in his affection for us, God, 
in the words of the Colic, sent his son, dot, 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 to take upon him our nature and to suffer death upon the cross, giving us an example of his great humility. So taking upon our nature, incarnation, suffer death upon the cross, atonement, and giving us an example of his great humility. Now, we good reformational Christians, sometimes when we hear too much about examples, we get our backs up, right? It's like, and we get our backs up, right? Because sometimes people say, well, the, the only part of the, the atonement is just Jesus' example for us. And I'm, I mean, I don't know about you, but it's like, well, I mean, it's a pretty, pretty heavy duty price to pay if it's just going to be an example for us. If it's just, you know, the way William Wallace is to us when we watch Braveheart, something that inspires us. Uh, well, I mean, honestly, that's just not enough. I'll, I'll throw this in. I need it to affect something, to change something. So what are we asking for? What is this example of his great humility? Well, the first part of the petition sounds pretty strange. If you have it in front of you, look, it says, mercifully grant that we may walk in the way of his suffering. Now, the Bible uses this kind of language, so it's not completely off, and I kind of understand what the, the people who updated this prayer were thinking. But the older version of this prayer, and if you have your, your bulletin in front of you, you'll notice it's not walk in the way of his suffering, but his walking in the way of his patience. And I think that while both words are related, and again, there's biblical language about walking in God's suffering, or Jesus' suffering. I prefer patience. I prefer the kind of older prayer book way, not, just, not because it's older, but because walking in the way of his suffering to modern sounds pretty masochistic, and it, it might confuse the meaning of the collect. Suffering is, I mean, we talked about this last time, it's a, it's a universal feature of human life. The question is not, will we experience affliction, but how will we endure these trying periods? So our prayer for patience is a prayer for the strength when we're experiencing persecution, when we're experiencing life's inevitable downturns, and when we're experiencing the silence of God, much like Jesus' experiences, right, later this week. So... Our prayer is that, and him being our example, is that we might experience with patience these inevitable downturns, these being persecuted for our faith, when God does not answer or does not give us what we want. Our prayer is that, like Jesus, we would be patient. So what is the patience of Christ in action? A lot of things, but I've got three for you. It's crying out, as we'll see this week, take this cup from me, and thy will be done. That's, our example isn't just thy will be done. It's also, God, take this away. We have every right, like the psalmist, to pray like that. The patience of Christ in action is having faith in God when our circumstances scream, don't trust him. That sounds simple, but I don't trust him when, whenever stuff hits the fan. Uh, but again, we're praying for what we do not have. 
The patience of Christ in action is walking in love when we're tempted to hoard for ourselves. Maybe some of you are in fears that this year we're going to see a recession. Walking in love is being generous in light of potential downturns. I see the time. I've got one more paragraph. This week, Holy Week, when you take out your Book of Common Prayers, when you pray the collects every single day, when you look back at this one, we're praying, we're asking for patience again because we don't have it and we can't create it. Just, just talk to an anxious person, right? Tell them to be less anxious. It does not work. If you don't have it, you've got to pray for it. And, you know, it wouldn't be the worst thing to see a therapist and get outside help, right? Because isn't that the gospel? Outside help. Um, but Jesus' example of humility is not meant to be this law that condemns. Here's this example. Live up to it. If you fail, we'll put you on the cross. Jesus' example of humility is a picture of the good life. It's a picture of human flourishing. Whether or not we're successful in trusting him this week, we will ultimately, in the words of this collect, share in his resurrection life. Maybe it is an aspiration after all. It's, we might not share in it when we're sinning, when we're freaking out, when we're hoarding, when, you know, whatever. But the promise is that we will. And we're going to catch glimpses of that resurrection life in this life. And God willing, you know, whatever sanctification looks like, we will be sanctified more and more. But we trust the promise. This is, I mean, going back to that last collect, this is, you know, desiring what he promises, this reconciliation with God. And we can trust him because... Again, going back to the beginning of the collect, his tender love will not let us go. Amen. Friends, I wish we could talk more, but I've got to run. So let me turn this thing off. Uh, please, thank you for coming to this class. It's been so fun. Uh, this is the last one for these collects. Uh, I've decided that I think I'm going to write, well, try to if I have time, write a, a reflection on every collect for this year. We'll see. That would be one a week. That might turn into it being a lot. But if you're interested in more devotionals on collects, send me an email and uh, maybe I'll, I'll make a newsletter or something and send them out. So thanks for being here. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.